And I'm uh, sorry to hear, I assumed that I was uh, signed up for this Sunday so that Jason would be able to go to the uh, Boston for the Ravens game. And so I'm sorry to hear that he was uh, sick. But uh, you didn't hear in my introduction is this strange connection. Uh, I served New Hope uh, Lutheran Church in Columbia, Maryland, uh, for 10 years before coming here. So it's from one New Hope uh, to another. We had fantastic growth in those years. And uh, uh, I attributed all to... Uh, the welcoming uh, nature of the congregation uh, and our ability to visit people uh, in their homes. I bring you greetings from the 80,000 uh, member, uh, the 180 churches of the Delaware, Maryland Synod and the 90,000 members uh, of that church. Um, <coughs> it is the week of prayer for Christian unity and it is certainly my hope that someday our witness to the gospel uh, would be what uh, Jesus uh, encouraged and that our love for one another as Christians among the churches uh, would be a witness to the world uh, that would uh, show uh, God's love. I uh, want to compliment you. I'm one of my jobs as bishop was to go around to churches and sort of uh, help them uh, grow uh, and uh, be better witnesses to the gospel. And I have visited here twice, and both times have been warmly welcomed and been asked, uh, you know, if I know what's going on, if I need any direction. That doesn't happen in every Christian church. Uh, every Christian church doesn't seem to get that it's about hospitality. And uh, you do, and I would encourage you to continue to uh, uh, do that and pay attention to your visitors. The part of Romans that we are studying uh, this morning uh, was Mary uh, read uh, during the... Um, uh, music, I'm not sure that you remember it uh, from that so, lo so long ago, and it's short, so I think I'll read it again. In the same way, my friends, you have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are discharged from the law, dead to that which held us captive, so that we are slaves not under the old written code, but in the new life in the spirit. Well, that passage from Romans indicates that as Christian folk, we have switched masters. Paul says that once we were slaves to the law, and now we are slaves to Christ. 
trying to be made acceptable to God by observing the law has only led to death. Christ came to free us from that bondage so that we could serve him whom to serve is perfect freedom. Now, uh, I, I hope you don't think this is too chauvinistic, but uh, Martin Luther is as good an example of this as anybody I know. He was an Augustinian monk who struggled with being acceptable to God. He not only tried to keep the commandments perfectly, but he did all those things that people at his uh, at that time did in order to try and uh, improve their relationship with God. He fasted and prayed. He did acts of service and mercy, working and feeding the poor uh, in the area of Germany where he lived. He went on pilgrimage. And he even journeyed to Rome uh, to um, worship at St. Mary's Major Church, where there were a step of stairs going up, step and stairs going up into the sanctuary. Uh, and those steps uh, were places where people prayed on each step and as they went up. And uh, that was supposed to help uh, their relationship with God. But it was not until he read Romans that the righteous shall live by faith, that he became free in the gospel. No work that he did, however good, no obedience to the law would bring him close to God. Righteousness before God comes as a gift. Trying to keep the law or go beyond it is futile and brought death because everyone who tries to do that fails. But a relationship to God is ours as a gift, not by our effort, but purchased by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And overcome by that love shown to us on the cross, we willingly give ourselves to Jesus as master. Now, my own uh, personal experience has convinced me that uh, Luther's discovery was not just a 16th century phenomenon. Ten years ago, my um, step-grandson, came uh, to live with me for his last two years of high school. He said that he couldn't stand to live with his mother any longer, and so I agreed to take him in. My experience with my own teenage children had been uh, that uh, with clear rules, fairly and consistently enforced, we had no problem. 
my effort uh, to make Travis a less self-centered person and a more responsible student just didn't produce the results I hoped for. I could not, as hard as I tried, with as many rules as I could come up with, make Travis into the loving person I wanted him to be. Nor did attending church three out of four Sundays, which I required, uh, produce that result. After graduation, Travis took a job at a Bible camp in southern Wisconsin. That summer, uh, he was a um, counselor, and that summer he experienced the love of God meted out by the staff um, in a way that had no strings attached. And it resulted in him coming home as a changed person. He cared for others and for Jesus in a whole new way. He had been transformed from the inside out. His behavior reflected the love that he had experienced. Those of you who watch TV know that Fios has a TV commercial that talks about getting Fios. They make clear that what they're talking about is not just signing up for Fios as your wireless service, but rather grasping fully the difference that their optic uh, uh, wire uh, makes. Travis at camp really got what the gift of the gospel is all about. Now, this very idea is the basis for one way of looking at Christian ethics. The Christian, freed from slavery to the law, makes ethical decisions expressing the new person he or she has become rather than decisions based on a set of rules set down from even scripture or from church documents. We are slaves not under the old written code, but in the new life of the spirit, our text says. And that spirit works from the inside result of living from the inside out is that Christians generally use love as a guide for making decisions. Folks, uh, and love generally demands more than the law. Folks who live freed from the law don't ask what their fair share is. They see an opportunity to serve and give them of themselves untiringly. When they're done, they don't quibble about who gets the credit. They haven't the time. They are already busy with some other 
good task. That they see that since Christ gave his life for us, no matter how much we do, it will never be an adequate expression of the love we have for him in return. Let me look at this another way. With every new status we enter, there is a behavior that is new and appropriate. When we join the military or take a new job or become a parent, new behavior flows almost naturally from our new status. So Paul says that when we are made slaves of Christ, a new behavior is bound to be elicited. As much as an acquitted person's behavior is different from a criminal, and the free person's behavior is different from one enslaved to sin. So putting together uh, as, a, as a community this ethic is not always easy. My father had nephritis, a liver disease that without treatment is uh, terminal. The doctor told him that he had no more than three years to live. However, he could go on dialysis, which would prolong his life indefinitely. At the time, back in, ex in the 60s, Dialysis was not covered by insurance and was enormously expensive. He could have a kidney transplant, but that would cost three times as much as the dialysis. My father chose to have neither. He had a wife and a 10-year-old daughter, and he felt that it was his responsibility to work as hard as he could, as long as he lived, so both of them would be cared for when he died. To use up his savings on dialysis and trans or transplant, he said, would be selfish. I disagreed with him, arguing that his life could not be measured in dollars and cents, and that what he could offer to his wife and children in the years that he lived was far more important than anything that he could leave behind. Which one of us was right? Or, a better question, which one of us was more loving? As you see, a good argument can be made or either one. Politically, we see the same dilemma in regard to how we make our children safe at school or how we see the poor get health care. What's the loving response of people freed from slavery to sin and living the life of the Spirit is, is not always clear. Let me close with a story. 
The little girl lived with her grandmother because her parents had died. She slept in an upstairs bedroom. One night there was a fire in the house and the grandmother perished trying to rescue the child. The fire spread quickly and the first floor of the house was engulfed in flames. Neighbors called the fire department and stood helplessly by, unable to enter the house because all the entrances uh, were filled with flames. The little girl appeared at an upstairs window and cried for help. Just as word spread among the crowd that the firefighters would be delayed a few minutes because they were at another fire. Suddenly, a man appeared with a ladder, put it up against the side of the house, and went inside. When he reappeared, he had the girl in his arms. He delivered the child to the waiting arms below and disappeared into the night. An investigation revealed that the child had no living relatives. So weeks later, a meeting was held in the town hall to determine who would take that child into their home and rear her. A teacher uh, volunteered uh, pointing out that she could provide a good education for the child. A farmer offered bringing her up on the farm, saying that uh, living on a farm was healthy and satisfying. Others spoke up with the reasons why the child should live with them. Finally, the town's richest resident uh, rose and said, I can give the child all the advantages that you have uh, mentioned here, plus money and everything that money can buy. Throughout this, the child remained silent. Her eyes were on the floor. Does anyone else want to speak? Asked the meeting chairman. A man came forth from the back of the hall. His gait was slow, and he seemed somewhat in pain. When he got to the little girl, he held out his arms. The crowd gasped. His hands and arms were terribly scarred. The child cried out, This is the man who rescued me. The leap, she threw her arms around his neck, holding on for dear life, just as she had done on that fearful night. She buried her face in his shoulder and sobbed for a few moments. Then she looked up and smiled. The chairman said, the meeting is adjourned. Being a slave to Jesus.
means. It means we are slaves to the one who rescued us from the bondage of sin and death, washed us in the water, and set us free. All as a gift. His name.